Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. Good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? You have a good Christmas? Amazing Christmas, amazing holiday. I, I pray that uh, this coming new year is just an amazing time for you. You know, I think about all God has done. Sorry, I just move this a little bit. All that God has done last year as I was just thinking about all that God's done in this church uh, within the last year. It's, it's overwhelming to see uh, how many people have come to faith how many people have given their life to Jesus? How many people's lives have been changed forever? Uh, how many people have found freedom? How many people have uh, been baptized? And we get to baptize five more at the end of service. Amazing. That's so good. And, uh, you know, we got more scheduled next week. And uh, it's just God is moving. God's doing extraordinary things. And it's only because of him. It's nothing where, you know, we're just here and we want to stay obedient to him. And so uh, it's just been an amazing year. And I know God's got way more for us. Amen. He's got way more for our community. And, uh, and so I want to talk to you today about a couple things before I get into the message today. First off, if it's your first time here, you've never been here before, you've been here for a long time, and you haven't had the opportunity to connect with us, we would love to connect with you and get to know you. The best way to do that is in front of you, there's a little chair of the QR code. You can scan that, and it's going to bring up a, a several things on there. One's going to say connect. And if you just fill out that form for us, we'd love to get to know you. We're going to send you a gift in the mail uh, just for saying uh, thank you. I had somebody last week said, you know, the gift you sent me when I texted that, that was the hook, man. That's why I come back here. He's like, you know my heart. Uh, he's like, you know, blizzards are my heart. So, uh, and so we just want to bless you and, and say thank you for that. Um, but it is what we call Bridge the Gap Sunday. So every last Sunday of the month, what we do is we take up an offering for our building uh, project that we're doing. And we just take a couple minutes to focus on uh, where we're at, what God's doing. And uh, and so, God, guys, I just want to thank you for your faithfulness um, about this project. So what is Bridge the Gap? So it's called Bridge the Gap because we have these two buildings here. We're just trying to put a connection between the two. Uh, and we've shrunk this thing down into bite-sized pieces. And the first phase is going to be, uh, it's going to be a connection between the two buildings. It's going to have a foyer space, a quite a large foyer. It's going to have brand-new bathrooms in there as well. Yeah, some people are excited about bathrooms. <laughs> Women are excited about bathrooms. Guys, like, just show me where to go, right? Uh, and so that's good. We're going to have uh, more parking spots. We need more parking spots. We're kind of congested around here. Um, and then also uh, we need to bring a lot of things up to code. So that's a lot of the cost, to bring things up to code for the city and fixing some drainage issues. Um, and so I have I think we have the slides this service, so we're good. All right. I had to go off memory. It was probably all wrong. And so here's the things that we're trying to do and why we're trying to do them. Okay, next slide. Um, and so here's the estimated total, $1.2 million. Um, and that's, it seems like a lot, but, you know, go to, go to HEB and go shopping. Okay, so next. Uh, so here's the gap budget. So, so far, we raised $53,000.74. That's amazing, guys. And here's the cool thing about this. Uh, you know, last month we raised 6,000 of that. That's amazing. But here's the crazy thing. So we started this Bridge the Gap campaign two years ago, and we haven't really pushed it. We haven't really, you know, it's like we, we did uh, commitments, and we're like, well, if people want to give, they'll give. But when we started being intentional with it and started coming on these Bridge the Gap Sundays, so this is the fourth one. We started this in September. So out of that 53,000, 20,000 of that has been within the last three months. Uh, and so thank you for that. And we're getting closer. And what we want to do is we want to pay this thing off. We want to be as debt-free as possible. And so people ask, how long are we going to be taking money for this? Until it's paid off. <laughs> That's when, okay? Uh, and so that is the, the, the amount raised. And so the next slide, it talks about the gap. So, so far, all we need is 1,146,999.26. 
that's nothing, man. That's nothing. Uh, you know, I talked to somebody this week. It's like, I saw a church got a million dollars from somebody this week, you know, so it can happen. And so that may happen, but more than likely, it's going to be all of us, you know, collectively. So no one can say, hey, so-and-so paid for that building. It's like, no, we all did this together. This is what God has done through us. Amen. And so thank you for your giving today. And so while you get your offerings ready, uh, I'm going to share uh, some ways you can give on as well. So there's some envelopes in front of you that you can give towards the project. Also, you can go online um, and, and go to waterhousechurch.com. Just make sure you select the fund that bridges the gap so we know where that's going. Um, and there's also the QR code for those that give online as well. So many of you give faithfully. Um, and also, as you notice, we don't normally take up offerings during Sunday morning. And so for those that do give your tithes and offerings, there's some boxes in the back that you can do that as well. Uh, and so I want to pray over this offering. And then we're just going to ask you to come bring it, drop it in these baskets up front. Because there's something about saying, I'm going to go and give. And so I don't know what you have today. Maybe you got the 74 cents. Maybe you got the $9. Maybe you got the million. I don't know where you're at, but God does. And so don't think that your little bit's not going to make a big difference. When we started this thing, uh, Bridge the Gap Sunday, the first Sunday, I talked about a little girl that shared her change. Uh, just sweet, an elder's daughter. She, she gave me some change, and uh, she said, I know you're worried about the building project. Here's what I can do, you know? And it was just so beautiful. And I'm like, can we just have the faith of a child? That, you know, my, my $3.83, you know, I can't remember exactly what was in there, is going to make a big difference for the kingdom, you know? And, and so that's, that's all I'm asking is whatever you can give, just give, and God will make the rest happen, all right? And so, Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this offering. God, I thank you that we even get to talk about having a building. God, that we even get to talk about expansion because, Lord, you have been just doing amazing things in this church. And, Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in the community through us. This next year, God, we plan to really, really get in, involved and entrenched into the community and into the schools and into uh, all the businesses, God. We just want to be a force. We want to be an influence. God, we want to change the world uh, for your kingdom, God. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for these kingdom calls and this kingdom initiative. And Lord, we just thank you for those giving today. That you, I pray that you bless them, Lord, that when they give, Lord, not only do they receive back, but they receive a blessing of your goodness, Lord, because it's so much better to give than receive. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Come bring your offerings up and then we'll get into the message as, as you bring. Thank you for giving this morning. Bless you. All right. Thank you, Christian. So I have a question for you. How was your 23? How was your 2023? Are you like excited it's over? Are you glad it says like, thank God 2023 is over? I have something to look forward to 2024, or maybe you're sad it's over. You know, sometimes I think our, our years kind of go like my bowling game. What I mean by this is like me and my kids went bowling last night, and me and my wife and, and Justin went bowling, and like I was killing it. So here's my score, like halfway through. Like dad was on fire, right? It's like strike, strike, spare, strike, strike. I'm like, yes, this is going to be the best game ever. Like I've never played this good before. And, and I, I took a picture of it halfway through. I probably shouldn't have done that, you know, because I'm like, I'm going to finish strong. We're going to finish well. We're going we're gonna to knock this thing out of the park. And so here's the rest of my scores. Um, not so good. Like the very next one was a two and then a seven. And then you know, I kind of pulled it back, got another spare. Uh, and then like the last frame was just horrendous, right? And my wife and bother just gutter ball and both. So, uh, you know, and I think sometimes our, our, our ideas of what we're going to do are kind of like my bowling games. Like we start off strong, we start off good, and then something happens in the middle and we just kind of 
fizzle out, right? Maybe my luck ran out. Maybe I got too confident. I don't know what happened in my bowling game. Maybe I shouldn't have took a picture. Maybe I got too proud and the Lord had to humble me a little bit. Uh, that's probably more to happen. Or maybe he just wanted to give me a, give you an illustration this morning and use me through it. So I don't know. Uh, but whatever happens, that's kind of seems to be happening. Like maybe last year you set a bunch of goals. You're like, man, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to read through the Bible all the way through. And you got to Leviticus or Exodus maybe. And you're like, I don't understand any of this stuff. And you stopped reading it. Or maybe you got the Revelation. You're like, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you tried to do last year and didn't finish well. Maybe you started off strong and didn't finish well. And today I pray that, that we can learn to finish well. And I'm not talking about your, your New Year's resolutions. Look, I want you to fulfill every New Year's resolution you make this year. I mean, I hope we all come back in 2024 at the end of this thing and we're all skinny, like we're all rich, you know, we, 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 you know, we're all healthy, you know, and our kids are perfect and life is great. You know, I think, I hope we've all read through the Bible and we've wrote books, you know, all these things that we want to do. But, but more than that, I pray that we finish our faith well, like we get closer to God this year, like, like we, we, we have a fresh fire for the things of God. And by the end of 2024, like we just, we have a, a, a grasp of God that we've never had before. And we're back on fire, back on track, back doing what God wants us to do. And there's so many of us who have started well, but haven't finished well. I love Ecclesiastes 7, 8 that says this, better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than proud in spirit. The writer of Ecclesiastes is saying, man, it's so good when something's over, right? It's so good when something's over because you accomplished it and you got it done. And it's like we like to start things, but we rarely finish things. I mean, look at our house. I mean, how many of us have things in our house? Like, I'm going to get that done. I have projects I need to get done. I'm like, I'm going to fix that doorknob one day, Right? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish this paint job here, but we never quite get to it because the excuse is what? I'll get to it tomorrow. I'll get to it to another day. I'm not speaking to you this morning. You just listen up. All right. Uh, you know, it was like, I'm going to get to it one day when I get time, when I get energy, but we never quite get to it because here's the thing. It, it's taking far too long than we thought it would. And it's taking longer than we thought it would. And it's costing us a little more than we expected, Right. Yeah, I mean, how many of you have kids this, for Christmas Eve and you had to assemble some toys for them? Do people still do that? I don't know. None of you. No, nobody raised their hand last service either. So, okay, there we go. He, he's my man right there. Right. So my daughter, she, when she was young, she wanted this little spring horse. You remember those things? Man, this thing was awesome. And I thought it would be easy. Like the box looked easy to put together. I read the instructions. I'm like, okay, I actually read the instructions. I'm pretty proud of myself, you know, as a guy. I'm like, this is going to be easy. And so we start putting this thing together. My wife's putting all the stockings up, and we're, we're putting stuff out for Christmas Eve, and the kids are in bed, and I'm putting this thing together. And, uh, you know, we started, like, right when they went to bed. Here it is, midnight, two, three hours in, and this thing is just giving me all kind of fits. I cannot get the springs to go on. Like, I'm trying to pull them and get them on there, and I'd finally get one on, and then the other spring, there would be so much tension, I couldn't get the springs where they needed to go. And, and the more I tried, the tireder I got, and then I couldn't do it anymore. I just gave up. I told Debbie, like, we don't need this horse. Like, she doesn't even know she has it, so we can just put it back in the box and send it home, right? We send it back, and when she comes out, she's like, where's my horse? And I tell him, like, maybe just you weren't good enough this year. You know, I don't know. No, I wouldn't say that to my daughter. Uh, but, you know, it's like, it was just like, I wanted to give up. I wanted to, you know, I, I just couldn't take it anymore. And, and so we got back and I refocused and I got some better tools. Uh, I got some harder, you know, some tools to put this thing together. And I got the springs finally on there. And she had a blast with it. I mean, she wore that thing out, man. And it was just a special moment uh, for her on that horse. And it brought her so much joy, but it also brought our family joy. We still have stories about that horse. We still talk about I'm not going to embarrass my daughter if she's watching, but uh, it's like, uh, it was just an amazing, amazing gift. But I had to go through the pain. I had to take the time to, to put this thing together so she can enjoy it. I didn't want to give up. Like, if I would have gave up, I, I, she would have missed out on all of the fun of that toy, and we would have missed out on all the joy on her face for it. And I might have took a turn or two on it as well, but maybe that's why it doesn't work anymore. It wasn't built for big people. Uh, but I think we quit so often right in the middle of it because it gets hard. I mean, think about Scripture. How many people in the Bible, if they would have quit, they would have missed out on all the things that God had for them? 
I mean, I think of the Israelites when God tells them, because sometimes God tells you to do ridiculous things, right? Like, God, why are you telling me to do that? That doesn't make any sense. He tells the Israelites, hey, you're going into the promised land. I want you to take the city of Jericho. Here's how I want you to take it. Walk around the wall seven times. That doesn't make sense. What if they would have got around it four or five times? Then this is the stupidest thing you've ever asked us to do, Joshua. I'm not going to do this anymore. And they gave up. They would have never taken the city. They would have never even entered into the promised land because they gave up because it was taking longer than they expected. It was, it was, it was, more, uh, it was, it was costing them more than they anticipated. What about this man named Naaman? If you know anything about Naaman, he was a, he was a rich uh, soldier, and he, wanted to get, he had leprosy, and he needed to get healed. And so he goes to the man of God in Scripture. You read this. And he says, I want to get healed. How do I get healed? He says, well, go into the Jordan River, dip seven times, and then you'll be clean. After much complaining, he's like, I'm not going to the Jordan. There's much cleaner rivers somewhere else. So he goes to the Jordan, and he starts dipping. What if he would have quit at four or five? What if he would have got to six and said, this is stupid? He would have missed his healing. He, he, he would have missed what God had for him. I think of the woman with the issue of blood. When you read Scripture, she, she was bleeding for years and years, couldn't get fixed, couldn't, went to many doctors. They couldn't figure out what was going on with her. And she, she heard about this Jesus who could heal people. And she saw him in the crowd. Even though it was super crowded and there's many people there, she pressed through. She pressed in to touch the garb of Jesus. And when she did, she was healed. What if she would have quit because it was too hard? What if she got halfway in and she got trampled or somebody pushed her and she's like, this just isn't worth it? This is costing me more than I anticipated. This is taking longer than I thought. She would have missed her healing. Then I think about Zacchaeus, the wee, wee little man. You know Zacchaeus? Climb upon the sycamore tree, see what he could see, see, see. You know your kids, you know this. Your kids know this. Ask them. What if he would have saw the, the sycamore tree and said, man, that tree is too high to climb. There's no way I'm climbing up there. And, and, and he would have never saw Jesus eye to eye. Jesus would have never saw him and said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. And, and redemption would have never came to us. He had to press in. He had to, he had to, he had to go and, and invite the hard thing into his life and climb up that tree. And, and then in that moment, he was able to be blessed by the Lord. Another person I think of is Samuel. When the Lord told Samuel, we're anointing a new king. Saul's messed up too bad. We're going to go find another king. Go find this other king at Jesse's house. So he goes to Jesse's house. He looks at all the sons. He's like, man, this guy looks good. He's, he's, you know, he's stacked. He's, 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 he's handsome. This is truly a king material. And the Lord says, no, I've rejected him. And so he keeps looking at all the sons. And he's like, Jesse, you got any more boys around here? Because God's saying no to all these. What if Samuel said, well, I guess they're not here. I'll see you later. Walk off. He, he, he had to wait, right? He said, oh, bring that other guy. Bring your other son. Let's see what he's, God says about him. He had to wait. He had to press in. He had to really wait for the things of God. And if he wouldn't have done that, then who knows where we'd be today. <coughs> see, it's in these times of pressing. It's in these times of, of waiting that we we find God doing amazing things. And I pray that today, more than anything, that you lean in to what God's doing in your life, that you, you don't see things as taking too long. You don't see things as, as, uh, as, as too hard, but should you learn to let the Lord lead you into what he's doing. Today's passage I want to open up to you is Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. We're going to read that together. Verse 1. And this parable is, 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 is a parable of Jesus. And Jesus told parables. There were short stories of big truths. And so he tells this parable of these virgins or bridesmaids. And he, he says that this is like the kingdom of heaven. And I think today as we read this, we can understand how we even can be like the unwise virgins. You know, I read this and I'm like, well, I'm the wise. I'm the wise bridesmaid. I'm not a bridesmaid, but, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm wise. I'm not unwise. I know, what's, I know I'm prepared. I'm prepared for Jesus coming back. And as I read this and as I studied it, I thought maybe to myself, you know, there's a lot of things in my life that I don't have oil for. There's a lot of things in my life that I'm not really prepared for the long wait for. There's a lot of things that God's doing in my life that I don't think I want to do because they're hard. And, and, and there's things in your life maybe today that, you, that God is asking you to do. Maybe, maybe even on the practical side, maybe your marriage, like the fire is out. <laughs> like it's out. 
and, and you've given up. Maybe, maybe even in your, your work life, you're like, man, I'm done with this. Maybe, maybe even in relationships with your friends, like, man, we're done. I'm, I'm just going to check out. Maybe in your life, you feel like you want to give up today and you want to just give in and you want to go end it, right? And you're like, I'm done. And I'm telling you today that God has a something for you. God has a fire to put back in your life. He is the source of that. And I pray today that as we go through this passage, that God puts a fire back in your belly. Man, when I was preparing this, God's like saying, look, bro, I'm using my vernacular here. You need to get back on your face with me because you haven't done that enough. And, I'm, and, and during this preparation, like uh, it was just, it was gut wrenching for me. And so this message has cut me deeply. And I pray that you allow it to cut you deeply, that you allow the Lord to speak into your life today more than anything else, because this is, this is something that's going to carry you on to the future. And so the, the question I have for you to do is, are you going to finish well? Do you have enough oil in your life to make it to the end? Unlike these virgins. So if you would stand with me, I'm going to read this passage together. And I'm going to try and stay on track. I'm kind of excited this morning. It's my last time to preach to you this year, so I'm going to make full use of it. Here we go. So then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them are foolish and five are wise. And when the foolish took their lamps, they stood, they took no oil with them. Other translations say they didn't take enough or took, took no extra. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. And as the bridegroom was delayed... They all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you do not know either the day nor the hour. Father God, this is your word today. God, I pray that it would just speak to these people today, God, that whatever is dying in their life is, that's from you, Lord, that you would put fresh oil in it. God, whatever is going out in their life, whatever passion is, has, has just tend to, to be burned out, Lord, that you would trim their wicks, that you would put fresh oil in their lamps, God, that you would give them extra for the journey, and God, that you would bring to life everything that was dead, because you are that God. Lord, I pray that you would help me to speak this message clearly. Lord, let me just say what you want to say, and Lord, help me through this, because these are your people. <laughs> These are your people, and you love them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may have a seat. So as you're looking through this parable, I want to show, I want to kind of point some things out about finishing well. The first thing is, is many start well, but few finish well. Jesus uses this parable. He says there's 10 virgins, and he goes, out of the 10, only five actually make it to the wedding feast. And so many start off strong. Many start off like my bowling game, like we're good. But many of us also end like my bowling game, right? We don't end well. Like there's people that start off strong in their faith and then something happens and they just give up. They walk away. They, they just put God on the back burner and they don't, they don't make it. There's people that just, they have a hard time with the hard stuff. And here's why they don't finish well. And here's why they may start well, but they don't finish well. They, they don't realize how long it's going to take. They don't realize the cost that, it's, that it is. These people, these, these unwise virgins, they brought initial oil in their lamps, but they didn't bring enough to last through the long night. They weren't prepared for the long wait. They weren't prepared for the test that was ahead of them. And I find it no coincidence that Jesus uses the number 10 in this parable. Because in the Hebrew culture, the number 10 is also a number of testing. You got the 10 commandments, right? It's 10 tests, basically. If you love God, then you will do these 10 things. It's these tests that you line up with. 
We talk about tithing. It's tens. Like if you trust God with your finances, then here's the, the test. So anywhere in Scripture you see the number 10, it usually uh, talks about some kind of testing. And so when Jesus actually says 10 virgins, maybe he's talking about the test that they had to endure through the night. And this, and this passage, this parable is for the church. Here's the scary thing. It's for those who believe. There was 10 of them. They were all waiting for Jesus to come. They were all waiting for the bridegroom. But only five made it. That's a terrifying thought because there's people in the church that are going to be left when Jesus comes back. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But I want you to just think about that for a minute. I don't like talking about that stuff, but that's what Jesus says. There's, there's people that aren't going to finish well, but how do we finish well? Well, we got to be prepared. If we're not prepared, we're not going to finish well. My friend, uh, I wanted to be a Boy Scout one time. Um, my friend invited me to this uh, Boy Scout outing, and he's like, hey, try this out. It's going to be awesome. You're going to be throwing axes and we're going to be shooting stuff and shooting arrows and starting fires and smoking things. You know, you do this, is Boy Scout. this is before I was saved. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> And I was like, okay, man, I'll go. And so I, I went. I was young. I was probably eight or nine. Uh, and uh, I went to this, this Boy Scout outing, and I didn't, know, I didn't know what to expect. He just said, come on, man, I got everything you need. I didn't know I needed things. Right? He said he had everything you need, but I didn't have nothing I needed. And so I went to that Boy Scout. It was a nice, beautiful day, the first day. This was late fall. Uh, and so it was beautiful weather during the day. And then they, then they got to nighttime. I noticed it was getting cold, but we were around the fire, and we're having a good time. And then it was time for bed. I go into the tent and I'm like, uh, hey, I don't have a sleeping bag. I didn't bring a blanket. I didn't bring a pillow. All I brought was this and a change of clothes. He's like, why didn't you bring anything? Like, well, you didn't tell me I needed to bring anything. And so he's like, well, you know, I got this cot over here. You can sleep on this cot. And so I slept on that cot, just me and my street clothes in the freezing cold, it dropped down to, I think, 40-something that night. And I'm miserable all night long. I'm like, this, this is horrible. I don't want to be a Boy Scout ever. This is horrible. <laughs> right? and, and I was just horrible all through the night because I didn't prepare for the long night. I didn't prepare for the journey. I didn't understand that it was going to take a whole lot longer for, night, for daylight to come. Like, it took forever. I didn't know it was going to cost me so much. And here's the thing, like, I asked my friends, like, hey, can you give me some of your stuff? He's like, all I got is one, I got just enough for me. Like, all I brought was, I, I brought this extra cot, but that's, I got my own sleeping bag. He's nice and warm over there snoring, and I'm freezing to death. I didn't come prepared. And so many of us, we don't come prepared for things. We don't prepare for the long wait. We think when we, when we first give our life to Jesus, it's all going to be great. It's all going to be rosy, all unicorns and rainbows, and I don't have to worry about anything. And then the testing comes. And then we're waiting for God to answer. And we're like, God, it's been years and years and years, and you haven't answered me yet. God, I've been praying for this for years and years and years, and it hasn't happened yet. I'm going to give up. Or God, this is following you, man. It's costing me way more than I thought it was going to cost me. Like all my friends are gone. Like my, my, my neighbors think I'm crazy. My, my workmates like make fun of me. The people in my school look at me, and they, they say names about me. Like this is costing me way more than I thought, Lord. I think I'm going to give up on this thing. I don't, have, I don't have what it takes. I wasn't prepared for the long wait. I wasn't prepared for the test. And these five unwise were not prepared for the test, but that's not what made them unwise, even though they weren't prepared. Well, here's what made them unwise. And I thought about this. See, they, they were unwise because they thought they could get oil from someone else. They were unwise because they thought that they could get what they needed from other people. And these five unwise virgins, their lamps are going out. The king was, the, the bride was, the bridegroom was coming. And they're like, hey, we're out of oil. You got oil. Give me some oil. And what was the response of the bridesmaids uh, that were wise? Uh, we have enough for us, but we don't have enough for you. Just like my friend, if he would have gave me his sleeping bag and his pillow, he would have froze. And, you know, as, as Christians, we're like, well, we need to have charity. We need to give them what we don't have. But I'm telling you, when it comes to this stuff, when it comes to our spiritual stuff, if you give it away, it's like, you, like you're not going to have enough. I'm going to pull into this a little bit. And there's so many of us, like we, we, we are looking for somebody else to give us what we need. We're in lack, and we don't know we're in lack. But there's, there's something about people who are like, man, if I can just get the oil they have, 
in my life? Man, if I can get the anointing they have and in my life, if I can get their faith into me. And I think there's so many of us, even in, the, in our walk in life, I see it all the time in the church. People come in and they don't have a faith of their own. They have a faith from their parents. They have a faith from their grandparents. And they never have a faith in their own. And then when they're out on their, in their own and they face the test, they give up. And they say, this isn't what I expected. When you go to college, this isn't what I expected. They didn't have a faith of their own. They fall flat. I see this in the family units as well. When like there's a patriarch in the family, a grandparent or maybe a matriarch or grandma, like they were the strong sinners in the, the, in the family. Like they were basically the high priest of the, of the family. And as soon as they pass off, the family decides that, well, Jesus isn't that important anymore. Church isn't that important anymore. Our faith isn't that important anymore. Because they were all clinging to that person to give them what they thought they needed. They were trying to get oil from them. And they weren't prepared for the test. And here's the thing. Like, if I try to get oil from other people, I'm not going to get it. i got to get my own oil. Like, I have to get my own oil for the night. I have to go in and have my own faith. And too many people are riding on the anointing of their parents. They're riding on the anointing of their grandparents. And I'm telling you, that's not going to get you in. <laughs> that's not the relationship that God wants to you to have with him. He doesn't want you to, be, to go through someone else. He wants to know you face to face. He doesn't want to know you through your grandma. He doesn't want to know you through your mom. He wants to know you face to face. He wants a true relationship with you. He wants you to have your own faith. And here's the beauty about these five people that are getting baptized today. I pray they have their own faith. Like they, they're, they're making the statement like, I'm having my own faith. I'm, I'm having my own oil. Like God is giving me something amazing, and, and I'm taking this salvation that I have, and I'm expressing it through baptism. But not only that, I'm saying to myself, like, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. Like I'm dead to that. I'm dead to the old life. I'm raising to new life. And because of that, like, I'm, I'm ready for the test. Bring it on. I'm ready for the test. I got my own oil. I'm ready to go. And I pray that today that you're ready to go, like you have your own oil. And you may be sitting here today, man, I don't know if I have any oil. Where do I get my oil? Where do you get this oil from? What is this oil you've been talking about up here, Pastor? I don't understand what this oil thing is. Well, in Scripture, you look at oil. <laughs> oil is, is many times talking about the Holy Spirit. It also talks about an anointing, which also comes from the Holy Spirit. But not only that, in our life, like God has given us an anointing in your life. God is giving you oil. God has given you the Holy Spirit if you're a believer. But few people, I'm telling you, even those that say I profess as a Christian, few people are led by the Spirit. Like they know Scripture back and forth, but they're not led by the Spirit. They don't let the Spirit lead them. Man, this passage has been in my mind all morning. It's been on my mind all week because I've been trying to live through it. Maybe God's trying to teach me something through it. But it, but it goes something like this. It says, the, the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. What does that mean? Be governed by the spirit. It means you're, you're led by the spirit. Like you're getting the oil from the spirit. It's leading in you. It's like it's leading you to where you need to be. And so you're like, man, well, where do I get this spirit? Where do I get this anointing? Where do I get this from? You only get oil from what? You got to press it. You only get all, when you go to olive, when you get the olive oil, which we're going to use here in a little bit, you have to press it. You have to crush it. You have to press it, and then the oil comes out. Man, we just sang that song, and the crushing and the pressing. You're making new wine, and we get, where there's new power. You know, I'm, you know it's my singing. It's my, my thing's turned off. When I sing, they turn it off quickly if it's on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, give me new wine, God. Give me, give me all the good stuff. Give me all the good stuff, God. But we don't want to go through the crushing. We don't want to go through the process. We don't want to go through the pressing. It's like when the pressing and the crushing, that's where the wine comes. That's where the spirit goes. That's where the anointing comes from. That's where the oil comes from. And we got to press in if you want the oil. You got to press in. What did the bridesmaids say to the unwise, the five unwise? Like, go to the dealer and buy the oil. You know what? I know where the dealer is. I know where the dealer is. It's on my face in front of Jesus, praying, pressing in, knowing that he's going to bring the oil. 
Man, there's no greater expression of this when Jesus was uh, about to go to the cross. He's in the garden, the garden of Gethsemane. And that garden actually, the Gethsemane actually means being crushed. It's like a place of crushing, a place of, of pressing. I've been there in Jerusalem. I've been there to Israel. And we were up on that mount, the Mount of Olives. And actually this, this passage and this parable that we're talking about is, is, is included in what we call the, the Olivet Discourse. So Jesus is talking about the end times. He's talking about what's going to happen. He's talking about how many people are going to fall away, that people aren't going to have the, the enough oil for the night, and, and, and on top of this Mount of Olives. And, and while I was up there, we're thinking about how Jesus prayed in that garden. And when you're up there, you can actually see Jerusalem in all its fullness. And, and in my mind, when I was up there, I was thinking, what did Jesus see when he was up here? Was he looking out at the city knowing that, over here, he's going to be beaten. Over here, he's going to be pressed. Over here, he's going to be captive. He's going to be thrown in jail. He's going to be thrown in prison. Over here, he's going to be beaten again. He's going to be spit on. Over here, he's going to be crucified. Maybe he's knowing all the things that he has to go through in the morning, in the next night, in the next day. And in that moment, what does he do? He presses in. He presses into God. It says he prays so fiercely that blood drops came out of his brow. He pressed in, and when he pressed in, something came out. I'm telling you, friends, when's the last time you pressed in so deeply that something came out of you? When's the last time you prayed and tears came from your eyes? When's the last time you prayed and righteous indignation rose up in you? And you started taking authority and you started getting mad about stuff. When's the last time that you, that you, you, you prayed and, and you repented? You said, God, oh my gosh, I've been so far from you. I've had it wrong for so long. God, forgive me. Give me oil, God. Give me oil. Give me oil for this. God, help me to restore this. God, give me oil. And when you press in, that's what you get. You get oil. You got to press in for the oil. If you don't press in, you're not going to get any oil. It's not coming out of your nose is oil, man. When you're praying, it's oil. It's anointing. And I'm telling you, if you're running out of oil today, if your fire's going out, go to the source. Press in. Press in. Press in and see what he's, he can do. You got to embrace the crushing. You got to embrace the press. If you don't, you're not going to get oil. The writer of Ephesians, Ephesians 5:15, Paul is reminding the Ephesians of how important it is to press in. He says this to them. Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Hey, we just talked about wise people and unwise people. So if you're wise, here's what you're going to do. You're going to make the best, most, best use of your time. And here's why. Because the days are evil. Like it's getting worse and worse. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand the will of the Lord is. How do you do that? You've got to press in. And he goes, and do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. He's saying, don't be influenced by anything else. Only let the Spirit influence you. Don't be filled with the world. Don't be filled with other things. Don't go to other things for your oil. Don't go to other things for your anointing. You're not going to get it from them. You're not going to get it from anybody else. You have to be filled with the Spirit. And, and this translation, this, this, this where it says be filled, it's better translated be being filled. In other words, like constantly Always be going to the source to be filled with the power of the Spirit. Always constantly be pressing in, like allowing the Lord to press you a little bit, uh, leaning into the tension, leaning into the pain, leaning into the time, letting him work that oil out of your life. And he goes, and this is how you do it. This is how you get oil. This is how you do it. Addressing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your hearts. It's like worship. Worship, give thanks always and for everything to God for the glory of the name Jesus Christ. Prayer, prayer, worship, prayer. It's grinding, it's, it's, it's praising, it's pressing. And he goes on to say, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is fellowship. you you got to press in. And I'm telling you, man, I'm so excited because January 8th, we're starting our 21 days of prayer. And, and I'm telling you, you got to press in. If you do not press in, to these 21 days of prayer, you're not going to get oil. Man, we're going to be here at 6.30 in the morning. That's pressing. Believe me, every time we do this, it's hard for me to get up. I don't want to get up. 
I'm like, God, do I have to get up today? He's like, yeah, you lead the church. Okay, I'll get up. <laughs> right? It's like, okay, I don't want to. Can I just sleep in? It's so warm in this bed. But every time I get here, man, it's so awesome because God meets me every moment. And I can't tell you what God's done through all our 21 days of prayer. We do it twice a year because it's that powerful. And every year, more and more people come. Like when we first started, it was like me and a couple staff members. That's it. And the last time we did it, man, we had lots and lots of people here. Like little kids would get up and come before school and pray. That's amazing. And so these 21 days of prayer, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you to press in, like to allow the Lord to do something in your life. Press into the hardness. Press into the time it takes. Press into waking up early. Press into to getting up early and spending time with the Lord. Because when you press in, you're going to get oil. I promise. You're going to get fuel. You're going to get passion. You're going to get a little zest for life. Be filled every day. Be pressed in every day. And let the Lord lead you. So what else can we see in this passage? So we learn that, you know, so many of us are not prepared. We, we don't think it's going to take that long. It's taking way longer than we expected. It's costing way more than we anticipated. And so we, we want to give up. And, and maybe today you're like the unwise, like, man, I'm running out of oil. I got to get my oil somewhere. And, uh, and you go to get it, the pressing. But then also I want to I point something else out about the five wise virgins what do they tell the five unwise? You can't have my oil. It's mine. If I give you my oil, then I'm not going to have enough for me either. And so I want to talk to some people today about you've been trying to give people your oil. You've been trying to give people your faith. You've been trying to give people your anointing. And like, I'm, I'm, look, look, understand what I'm saying here. Your anointing is for other people. Like God has anointed you for something. It's for other people. But don't give your anointing away. Don't waste it. You know how you waste it? You put it on the shelf, you don't use it, or you chase other things with it. Like, you can't give your oil away. Even if you wanted to give your oil away, you can't because it's yours. Notice what they say. If I give you mine, then we won't have enough. Your walk with Christ, this is a strong word I wrote, it has been shipwrecked. Because there's someone in your life who doesn't have enough oil and you've been more focused on them than you have been on Christ. Let me repeat that. Your walk with Christ has been shipwrecked. Like you haven't grown anymore with Christ. Your fire for him has gone out. Your zest for him has gone out. The calling in your life that you know he placed in your heart is there and you haven't moved on it because you're waiting for someone else to move. They don't have the oil. And you've been focusing on them, trying to get oil in them. But you're trying in vain. They have to get their own oil. You can press into them all you want. But they have to get their own oil. They have to get their own oil. Don't shipwreck your faith. Look, yes, we need to pray. Man, there's people I'm praying for. They need Jesus. There's people that, that need to, to walk into their calling. I see, it on their, I see it in their life. I'm like, God, if you would just grab onto what God has put into you. And, but I can't drag them to that. I want to drag them. I want to drag them to Jesus and say, submit to Jesus right now. Because <laughs> it's going to change your life, right? I want to do that, but I can't do that. They have to make the conscious decision to come and give their life to Jesus. I mean, think about when Jesus sent out the disciples and all the followers. He goes, go out into the towns, go out and, and proclaim the gospel, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. And they go into town, they start doing all these things. He tells them, when you enter a city, if someone says, come on in, right? Somebody says, I accept your word. I accept what you're doing. You come into my house, stay in that house. Stay there, right? And, and stay there. But if they reject your word and they reject you, what does he ask them to do? He says, dust, dust your feet off. Knock the dust off your feet as a testimony. What, what, what he's saying there is like, don't go to that door, knock on the door, say, I want to tell you about Jesus. Like, I don't, I don't care about Jesus. Right? Don't say, well, I don't, I'm gonna, like I said a minute ago, I'm going to drag you to Jesus and he's going to tell you right to your face. And no, he's saying, look, if they don't accept the word and accept you, that's okay. 
Like knock the dust off and say, man, this is, I have something amazing for you. Like God has something amazing for you, but it's not, a, it's not on me now. I've done my part. I've told you about Jesus. I'm going to model it in front of you, and I'm going to keep telling you about Jesus, and my life is going to show that I love Jesus in hopes that you see the light that's in me and that you would come to faith. But you can't save them. That's a hard truth. Like, I want to save them. I want them to give their life to Jesus. I can't do that. Only Jesus can save them. All I can do is lead them to him if they let me. Don't tie yourself to someone else. Tie yourself to Jesus. Because when you press into Jesus, he can do way more with them than you can. And I want to even tell you this. There's some people in here today, maybe, maybe myself including, like you're, you're trying to get somebody somewhere and they're unwilling to move. And all it's doing is keeping you tied to them and you're far away from Christ because they're far away from Christ. You got to untie yourself from them. You got to break that tie and you got to tie yourself back to the source and let that oil run in you. Oh man, I, you know. It's hard. Look, guys, I don't like preaching this stuff, but it's in the Bible. I got to preach it. I mean, because here's the, here's the fact. Like, here's the thing. Like, I don't, I, I want everybody to come to heaven. Like, I want, I want just everybody to go to heaven. But Jesus is very clear here. Not everybody will. And Jesus is very clear that even those that profess that they know him won't even. Like there's, there's going to be a separation. There's going to be something that happens over and over in Scripture. He says, there's going to be a separation. The sheep and the goats, the weeds and the tares. Just saying, some people are going to come to me and say, Lord, 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 didn't we do all these things in your name? I mean, goodness, I was in church every day. I sang these songs on the worship team. Man, I was even a pastor, Lord. Didn't I do these things for you? Didn't I do these things for you? And he's going to say to them, I don't know you. I mean, think about the bridesmaids. He said they went and got their oil. They came back. The, 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 the dinner's going on. The wedding feast is going on. And they knock. Hey, Jesus, we're here. You're going to let us in? He's like, ah, it's too late. The feast is already being served. The seats have been made. I don't know who you are. Who are you? That's a terrifying thought to me. I mean, I think, I think we know Jesus. Like, we're his Instagram followers a lot of times. Like, that's it. I like, I like Jesus. Like, I'll give him an emoji every once in a while. It's like, that's good. But do you know Jesus? Does he know you? Do you have that intimate relationship only through the pressing? Do you know him in that way? Do you have the oil that he wants to give to you? If you don't have the oil, you're not getting in. That's the thing. If you don't have the oil, it's too late. You got to have the oil. If you don't have the oil... You're missing out. But here's the good news. Like I said, I know where to get the oil. I know the dealer. Jesus is the dealer. Right? He gives you the oil. He gives you the spirit. He gives you what you need. You just got to go to him and receive it. You got to know him. Because you never know the day or the hour or the time. Look, man, I don't know what 2024 holds for us. I don't know what the day, the next few days are going to hold for us, but I don't know with each passing day that we get closer to his return. And in that, I can be hopeful. In that, I can take some hope because I'm like, man, Lord, I know it's going to be better. I know there's better days. I know there's something that I can look forward to. I have hope because I know that you hold the future. I'm going to have my oil ready. I'm going to have my lamps ready. I'm going to be awake. Look, man, the church is sleeping. The American church in general is sleeping. We're far too caught up in other things than we're, than we're not caught up in Jesus. Like we, there's, there's a dying and hurting people right across the street. There's a dying, hurting people in our chairs, and we're asleep. It's time for us to wake up. Here's the beauty of it. He didn't, he didn't call them unwise because they're sleeping, because all five of them, or all ten of them were asleep. At least they had the brains to get up. Like the tenacity to get up is like, hey, the bridegroom's coming. They get up. They're like, oh, 
trim oil. Oh, man, I don't have any oil. What am I going to do? Get the oil before the time's up. So if I'm, I'm going to close this way. I'm going to close this way. So if the worship team can come up and the altar team. So I think it would be good this year to symbolically get your oil. And so up front here, there's some oil containers. There's some pipettes. I'll say it right this time. To put the oil into. But you got to get your own oil. You got to get your own. And so when you get the oil, this is a symbolic of you saying, man, I'm going to have enough oil. Like, I'm going to finish well. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to press in. I'm going to press into Jesus. I'm going to press into what he wants me to do. I'm going to, I'm going to, it doesn't matter how long it takes. It doesn't matter how hard it is. I'm going to press in and I'm going to get the oil that God has for me. I'm going to press into him. Maybe it's, it's the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Maybe you need to fast. Maybe you say, God, I'm going to press in. I'm going to do the hard work. Because I need oil in my life. I need oil in my marriage. I need oil in my finances, God. I need oil. I need oil. That's all my prayer all week, God. I don't know what I need, God, but I need oil in it. Because, God, I need some fire. I need some passion. I need some fuel. So, God, give me oil. And so this is symbolic to remember that you need the oil everywhere you go. And here's, what's, here's the thing. I don't want when Jesus come back. I got oil, Jesus. Eh. Like, this is, this, is, this is symbolic. This is saying... I got my oil. I'm going to press in every day. It's a reminder to press in. To press in. To press in. Would you stand with me? So if you're willing today to press in and you want to say, Lord, I need oil. I need oil in my life. I need passion. I need purpose. The fire is going out in my faith. It's going out in my relationships. It's going out in everything, Lord. I just feel dry and the world is dark. I need light. I need life. I pray that you take and get some oil and that you do the hard work of pressing in and you do the hard work of allowing the Lord to crush you, allowing him to press you, and allowing the oil to flow from your life because he wants to give you oil. It's his desire to give you oil. It's his desire for you to have oil. And so, Father, I thank you, Lord, as these people come up. Lord, I pray that even as they enter in, God, even the symbolic act, God, that you would give them oil right there, Lord, that a fresh passion would stir in their heart. God, for the things of you, God, maybe you've placed something in their life and you've called them to a ministry or you've called them to a to, to something. God, maybe it's mission work. Maybe, God, it's just going and, and reapplying somewhere else. God, whatever it is, God, you put on their heart and they know it's from you, God, and they haven't pressed into it, Lord, that they would, they would take this oil and they would be committed to press into what you have for them. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I pray that people would have enough oil to last through the hard night. Lord, we don't know what the years are going to bring, but we know that you're coming back and we can be hopeful in that. And we love you for that in Jesus' name.